listening to Hotep Ish with your host, Dewan B. Intelligent Ish Talk, Intelligent Shit Talk, where we balance the profound with the profane. Political satire, celebrity and expert guests, information and entertainment, conversation and solutions. Leave your feelings at the door. Sorry about that. You know how it is when you, I was uh, smoking my joint this morning and uh, lost track of time. You feel me? I wrote like, man. I was like, God damn, it's just 10.03. Let me run up in there. My, my, my man came chilling. Feet kicked up. Listening to music. Y'all know how that go. I love my music. I was over there listening to who was I listening to today? I was listening to Chick Corea. I love Chick Corea. Stanley Clark, Return to Forever. Return to Forever. In the meantime, I got my t-shirts back up. I got them back up. 
Um, these ones have been approved, and yes, they will get sent out to you. My Martin Luther King t-shirts, I fear I may have integrated my people into a burning house. Yes, yes, yes. This look right here. This right here, if you go to hotepish.com, y'all see the website down there. Go to the website and get yours. This t-shirt is dope, y'all. I got mine on the way. Because you know how it is. People always want to turn around and that's why we're here today, man. We about to talk about the real Martin Luther King. The person he evolved to. We all start someplace, but then we all evolve. You get true meaning out of somebody's life. You get true learning lessons from people's life when you see their evolution, the evolution of how they think, the evolution of how they operate. Nobody worth a shit is the same person 10 years after they were someone else. You know, the, you, you, you grow and you evolve. What's up, everybody in here? Antonio Miller, Baolo, Bakari. What's up? What's up? What's up, Daryl Young? What's up, Try Hippie? Yes, yes, yes. Seaside California checking in. That's what's up. I'm going to be spending some time later on this, this week. Up in the uh, 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 my day, I'm gonna spend the day on the beach a couple days. I'm gonna run, I'm gonna go up the coast, come on back, do like a little day trip up the coast to Big Sur. Yeah, anyway, yeah, we about to get into it. We about to get into it. Um, Martin Luther King, who is the real Dr. King? You know, I'm doing this special because, you know, the media likes to retell Martin Luther King's story. Am I loud enough for y'all? How's the sound? I'm looking at the shit on mine and everything look good. Let me know if the sound is good on your end. If I'm too low, let me know. Southeast D.C. in the house. What's up? And I want to go to D.C. I ain't never been to D.C. My parents have been. I want to go. I remember back in the day, like back in like the late nineties when I was in high school, Yahoo chat, and we had a whole bunch of people in the African American team room chat. Had a whole bunch of people from DC. I was trying to get out there, man, but I was broke when I was in high school. I, my mom wasn't gonna let me fly to no DC. St. Louis in the building. Okay, good. We okay, we sounding good. Let's get going on who the real Dr. King is. See I'm bringing this up today and I'm having this topic today because as y'all know, I'm a huge NBA fan. I love it. I love basketball. I love basketball. That's my sport. And I I look at basketball like like the chess match that it is, you know. A lot of you new people to the sport, a lot of you weirdos want to go around talking about stats and ooh, this guy averaged this many and he has this many awards. If you're that kind of person, you probably won't be feeling what I'm saying because you, you're into bullshit-ass awards. I like basketball because of the strategy of it, the thinking side of it, the chess match. Basketball is a game that you have a piece of wood, 92 by 45 feet, 10 people on the court, and it's a game of geometry. How do you get the angles to create enough space to get off of this shot? 
within 24 seconds. To me, that's beautiful. That's why I love basketball. But in this beautiful game of basketball, they don't really talk about basketball. They talk about all kinds of other stuff. And they try to get political. And I hate, I hate, I hate, I hate when these sports and stuff like that try to get political because what they do purposely is they water down the meaning of whatever they're politicizing. And tomorrow, tomorrow's Martin Luther King Day. And hell yeah, Yahoo Chat was a move standing 85. That was the shit back in the 90s, man. Early 2000s. But yeah. Tomorrow, if for those of you who watch basketball, you're going to see a bunch of Martin Luther King Day games. And they're going to really do their best to water down Dr. King's image. And how do they doc, how how do they water down his image, Dewan? How did this happen? I'm glad you asked. They like to make it seem as if all of Martin Luther King's work can be surmised in that 1963 March on Washington. They like to put all of his legacy into I Have a Dream. They like to make it seem as if he spent his whole life dreaming. What they do when they put it in that, when they contextualize Martin Luther King as a dream. What does that do to the listener? It puts the listener to sleep. For how else does one dream if one isn't asleep? Even a daydream. When you're daydreaming, what are you not doing? You're not acting. You're not being active. I have a dream speech if you ask me was actually in that March on Washington that's when the civil rights movement for all intents and purposes died what do you mean Duan the mainstream media rights to narrative is that's when the, that's what made the civil rights happen, movement happen a dream speech they leave out all of the events going back to 1955. They don't talk about Megger or Evers. They don't talk about all of the violence that it took away from the civil rights movement. You had Dr. King talking about nonviolence, nonviolence. But outside of his nonviolence movements, it was a fuck ton of violence going on across this nation. And what happened uh, in 63 Cause I saw some people, I know some people be inboxing me different stuff and I appreciate it. But I had somebody inbox me on Instagram talking about some, well, the civil rights movement was funded by the the Rothschilds, blah, 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 blah. Eh, it's a partial truth. It's a partial truth. It is a truth, but it has to be contextualized. What happened in the early sixties is when, you know, controlled opposition came in. And anyone who listens to Nitty Fuller or who understands what controlled opposition is, you know what I mean. We live in a country that the best way to control people is to create the opposition and make it seem as if that op- as if something's being fought. 
off of an opposition that we created. So what happened in the early 60s is a lot of companies uh, start a lot, a lot of these 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 funds started donating to the civil rights movement. And SNCC got some, the NAACP got some. All these different black movements started getting outside money. And they were getting the outside money, you know, as a method to control the message. And so all of this outside money came in. And then you started to see after 1963, you know, they successfully hijacked the movement from reparations, from black people getting what black people wanted to integration and a whole bunch of bullshit. And so Martin Luther King, he was the face of this because he was the most popular person. And so when we get to watch NBA games tomorrow and then when you watch anything on TV and they talk about Martin Luther King, they make it seem as if all of his work was for that one moment when he talks about having a dream and when he talks about black girls and black boys walking together and everybody holding hands and all that shit. And he did say these things in the speech. But after that, Martin Luther King started to see some things and observe some things that wasn't right. So Martin started to slowly evolve his point of view on civil rights, on what true justice is. And here on this broadcast, I set that up just so we can now go down the line, and I'm gonna point out some pop, some major quotes Dr. King said that's never repeated. I'm gonna show you how he evolved from dreaming to waking up. And through his journey, we as black people can take inspiration from that. Because we've all been taught to dream. We've all been taught to say someday we shall overcome. We've been indoctrinated with all that bullshit if you went to public school here in America. So, like Dr. King evolved, we're evolving. Some of us evolving faster than others. But a quick little note to those evolving faster than others. That isn't a time for you to preach to people who aren't as evolved as you and and shit on them when they want to know some information. It's time for those of us who see things better to pass it along in a loving way. Pass the message along. One thing that happens when people are quote unquote conscious, they want to browbeat everybody who's not conscious. And that's not how you treat people. That's not how you do people who aren't woken up. If they're not woken up, but they're asking for and they're showing curiosity for being woken up, you teach, you help. You guide. You don't judge. And that's something that Dr. King gave to others who weren't as evolved as him. And it's also something that he gave to himself through his own personal evolution. So let's talk about it. Dr. King, I noticed in my just personal study of him, he he started to see a lot of things, but he really started to evolve after a meeting he had 
with Elijah Muhammad in February of 1966. He didn't evolve in anything religious. No, 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 no. He was still a down. He was still a Christian. But I will say this about Dr. King's Christianity. He lived his Christianity in a way that we would hope and wish people, all people who claim themselves to be Christian lived their lives. He lived his life in a way of, he, he, he walked forgiveness. He lived forgiveness. He was open with his issues. He was, you know, Dr. King was somebody who smoked cigarettes and drank vodka and listened to Aretha Franklin, world music. I don't know about y'all, but I grew up in church. Hell, I played the drums in church. Even back in the 90s, niggas was tripping over, oh, that's world music. Oh, that's Christian music. Dr. King was saying back in the 60s, like, look, man, music is music. And I love soul music. And as long as it speaks to the soul, it's of, it's of God. Whether it be Aretha Franklin or Bessie Smith or any, or any of the gospel singers. He was an open-minded person. You write one punchline dream with no action will only stay a dream. And that's why they, they try to keep us in this dream sleep state. So let's go over a few things that Dr. King said. Was what he was doing that really started to piss people off. He met with Elijah Muhammad back in 66. And you really started to see a lot of his points of views on things really sort of open up. I won't necessarily say change, but open up. Um, in late 66, early 67, when, when the Vietnam War broke out, Dr. King started to see that racism, the Vietnam, the, the Vietnam War, and poverty all interlinked. And he was saying you can't get rid of one without working on the other. Because... He was talking about basically how the budgets were changing, how there were there was basically budgets, the war budget was getting increased, and the money they were using to bop, drop bombs on Vietnam was being taken out of the inner city. And he made a, a famous quote. <laughs> he said, bombs being dropped in Vietnam are landing in the ghettos of the United States of America. And it's black people who are on the front lines of these wars. And the war itself, going over to Vietnam, taking their shit, has racist, has a racist foundation. And so Dr. King started to really talk against the war. And that's when you started to see the people on the inside break from him. You started to see the SCLC, his Southern Leadership Conference, his own supporting team stopped really fucking with him. He dealt with heat from the NAACP. He dealt with heat from the Urban League. Mind you, all of these organizations are getting money from donors, quote unquote. And at the time, you had a lot of Jewish support in the early 60s. All of the black causes had heavy, heavy Jewish support, financial Jewish support, and legal Jewish support. 
and presence. Like they were there on the front line. But in 1967, Israel broke out in war, had an eight-day war. And after that eight-day war, Dr. King noticed that they basically, the civil rights movement got abandoned by its Jewish brothers and sisters, quote-unquote. Got abandoned. And Martin Luther King is saying that his anti-war stance ain't popular with his Jewish friends and brothers and sisters because when it comes down to war, they all for it when it comes to a war against Palestine. Dr. King is against all of that. Thank you, Mickey. Smash that like button. Six-day war, eight-day war. God damn it, listen to the message, all right? I'm going off the top of my dome. Thank you for the correction, but for those for those of you who are, who are very, like, need everything to be exactly correct, I encourage you, I encourage you to read up yourself and draw your conclusions and get your dates exactly the way they're supposed to be. The whole point of this broadcast is for you to get the message. If a year is wrong and that stops you from getting the message, that's on you, not on me. Um, I'm pulling from both the Eyes on a Prize documentary series on Dr. King, a book on Dr. King called uh, Death of a King by Dr. Tavis Smiley, uh, and I'm also pulling on historical documentaries uh, from the era based in the 60s. And also some things I've listened to when it comes to from Dick Gregory and other people that I know. Uh, well, I, I didn't I didn't know Dick Gregory like that. But people that I, there are other people that I know that knew Dr. King. So I'm sort of pulling from all of these uh, things and putting in putting them all up into one broadcast. So, again, some dates I promise you will be wrong that I say. I promise you that I will get some times wrong. I may even get some names wrong. But the message is solid. The message is golden. And for specifics, I encourage everyone to read Death of a King by Tavis Smiley. And I encourage you to watch the Eyes on a Prize documentary series. Um, I encourage you to just go on YouTube and look up different things uh, about Dr. King said by Dick Gregory, who knew Dr. King. Uh, shouts out to Ronald NBA Heard, Ronald Heard, We All BTV. You've seen Ronald Heard on this channel before, We All BTV. He has literally dozens and dozens of interviews with Dick Gregory. Um, I encourage you to look up those interviews on We All BTV with Ronald Heard. Um, so, again, let's uh let, let 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 let's get going back back to back to what I was talking about. Um, Dr. King started to see that you know his partnership with his Jewish brothers and sisters wasn't the same after they, for the most part, got their rights, got their country in Israel, and started getting their money from the government. So all these things are playing a part in his evolution. 
Um, he had some. I'm going. To, I'm just going to say say a few of his quotes that he was saying during this time. Like this is when he was talking to uh, Andrew Young and and Jesse Jackson and some media people in the early '60s. He said, "We can't have white wealth and black poverty and expect peace." See, as Dr. King started to move on, he started to really see the economic side of the game, how much economics meant to the problem. Isn't that something that Dr. Carl Anderson preaches all the time? Dr. Carl Anderson's been preaching to us since the late 70s on the importance of economics within black society. And Dr. King understood this as he started to evolve and as he woke up from his dream. But mind you, as he started to wake up and be enlightened to this, his primary opposition on, on, well, we all know the FBI was targeting him. The FBI went so far as when he started talking about uh, economics, the FBI went so far to write in papers like in Chicago, when he was going up to Chicago a lot in Detroit, they had the nerve to write in papers um, that, Dr. King and the uh, SCLC, the uh, the SCLC was full of cash and didn't need anymore. Yeah. The FBI was using the newspapers to write shit like that. This is documented. There's a book, another book called J. Edgar Hoover's Secret FBI. They talk about this stuff in that book. I read that book years ago. Matter of fact, I probably should reread it just to get a refresher on it and talk to you niggas about it. But look up this book called, um, I think it's J. Edgar Hoover's Secret FBI. I think that's what it's called. They talk about this kind of stuff. So I'll bring that up for this. For people who are reading papers today, for people who want to go off everything and believe everything CNN, MSNBC, ABC is saying is true. If there is documentation dating back now 60 years, it goes back further, but let's just go here. If we have documentation that the FBI uses newspapers to release propaganda, why do you believe everything the news says today? Cats don't even give their own family members that kind of consideration. Cats be having a cousin that was known that went to jail back in his 20s, was known for stealing shit back in his 20s, now he in his 50s and everybody's still talking shit about how he used to steal stuff back in his 20s. That's how people to treat their own family. But then you have a whole government and a secret service and the FBI and the CIA admitting to doing things like this in the past to discredit black leaders and to give purposeful misinformation. Y'all be like, cats, nah, not y'all, but cats will be like, man, but still, man, we don't know. They, they said it in the paper. Believe half of what you see and none of what you hear. Let your spirit guide you, man. I'll be believing these motherfuckers. They telling you. They told you. This is what we do. If somebody's out there saying things that we don't like, we put shit in the papers to sway public opinions. I just got my first thumbs down. That was from somebody who must have saw me walking out their mama's house this morning. My bad. It's her, not me. It's her. It's her. She was flirting. She was flirting. My bad. 
Anyway, back to what we're talking about. Um, oh shit. Thank you for the Cash App donation. I got two Cash App donations. I appreciate that. I appreciate it. D Benz, Ms. Gibson, I appreciate that for the Cash App donations. Yes, 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 yes. Um, hold on one second. So yeah, we we back. Yeah. So these are the things that Dr. King was having to deal with. Not only did he have the FBI, the CIA, and all these people lying on him, he had to deal with his own people, primarily Andrew Young, Jesse Jackson, um, the NAACP. He had to deal with um uh what's his name? I'm drawing a damn blank. See, that's why I should have I should have had more really tighten up because it's off the top of my head. Is it all time? Huh, hold on one second. What is his name? Y'all know who I'm talking about. The um, congressman on New York. I'm senator. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. What is his name? Y'all know who I'm talking about. Out of New York. The preacher. That was also a politician. God damn it. Anyway. The black people who had influence were all turning against Dr. King as he started to leave just talking about we shall overcome. See, the NAACP, the Urban League, uh, now Conyers was still on the side. Not Conyers, not Conyers, not John Conyers. That's a good one. I, I, I'm drawing a blank. I, I should have wrote these fucking names down. Not Al Sharpton either. That motherfucker was James James Brown's boy. Clayton Powell. Clayton Powell. Thank. Adam Clayton Powell, that's it. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Adam Clayton Powell. He had Adam Clayton Powell coming out against him. Because Adam Clayton Powell was... He was starting to see... He saw... And I was with and I was with Clayton Powell on the fact that, you know, nonviolence, that shit wasn't going wasn't gonna to work. But, you know, it was a lot of things that was going on that Dr. King, you know, he, he, even though he was starting to evolve in his thought, he still thought nonviolence was the way to go. And let's break down why Dr. King thought nonviolence was the way to go. Dr. King's method of nonviolence was his purpose for doing that was to heighten the contradictions. Oftentimes when you want to clean things out and smoke things out, is to heighten the contradiction. How do you heighten contradictions? If you know you're dealing with a brutal force, you want to minimize... If you're always fighting fist and fist with the brutal force, the brutal force can then use its propaganda against you. Versus if you use nonviolence against that brutal force, that brutal force is going to continue to be brutal. And Dr. King's strategy was to was a more of a, a global strategy to point out to the world how America acts. 
because you got to remember back then in the 60s, even to a lesser extent now, but really back in the 60s, America was off World War II and it was promoting itself as the moral authority to the world. They had won World War II. You know, well, Russia won World War II. America just came in towards the end. America did, America did that LeBron, you know. <laughs> Kyrie Irving, Dwayne Wade did all the work. When the, when the game was tough, them was the ones clearing the floor out, getting key buckets. Then the minute Russia got on the war, this motherfucker came back in the game, padding stats and catching lobs and got all the goddamn replays and ESPN highlights. So people are like, oh, nigga, we just the go. Same with the United States. Russia did all the grunt work. Russia did all of the, what it took to actually get the war against Germany uh, won. The United States came in with the B-2 bombers and the Tuskegee Airmen and all the highlights, catching all the lives. Then when, when everything was said and done, took all the credit. That's what happened. So with Dr. King, I mean, with America, America came off that and then they were now, quote unquote, the world's moral authority going to different parts of the world. Like, hey, you guys need to operate the way we want you to operate because, hey, after all, we are the moral authority of the world. We saved those Jews over there. And so Dr. King's strategy for all is worth. And I'm not saying whether I agree with it or not. I'm just telling you what the strategy is. Um... A lot of times, and I, I'm looking at the chat room, but you know, I, I'll answer y'all questions later. Y'all just, just chill, man. Listen to what we're talking about. I'm not about to jump around right now. Um, so, what? Yeah, yeah, Derek, Russia supplied, America supplied Russia with arms, and America also supplied Germany with arms earlier on in the thing, too. So, we ain't gonna talk about that. Um, so, Dr. King's strategy was to discredit America by showing how violent America was and using himself and his movement as the canvas to paint that picture of America's debauchery. And one thing about America is America don't like bad images. America likes its propaganda. America likes... America's like Hulk Hogan. They want, I am a real American. America operates on having this squeaky clean image. But if, if, if there's blood all over that image, America can't do the things worldwide that it wants to do. So that in part is the reason why America compromised and gave up a little bit of something to black people. On one hand, we was beating the dog shit out of them in these, in these, uh, guerrilla attacks that we were having. They were they were like, they, they, yeah, we, we took a lot of blows too. Our, our churches got bombed, but guarantee goddamn T, black people was also putting in work against them too. But with King's movement, see, with the, the work that black people were putting in wasn't getting put on TV. King's movement was. So through him heightening the contradictions, he brought America's, the greatest military power on the in the world to its knees. So you got to give him credit for that. 
And we have to know that that was a strategy, one of the strategies. His strategy did work for, for a time. So did Malcolm X's strategy work for a time. The Black Panther strategy worked for a time. And so did Stokely Carmichael's strategy work for a time. People like getting into these arguments over who's better, who's best, which person are you going to fall behind? I'm a this, I'm a that. No, that's where you missed the whole thing. Everybody plays a part. Everybody plays a role. And everybody's part and role at some point during the fight gets a featured role. As great as Kobe and Shaq was with the Lakers, sometimes it was Rick Fox's turn to get off and get a few buckets. Sometimes it was the defense took called the lane from, from, from Shaq and Kobe's shot was off, so the ball had to swing to Derek Fisher. This is a team. In everybody's bucket, whether you score four points or 40 points, everybody's bucket played a role in the winning of the game, in the winning of that championship. Some people don't score. Some people just play defense and get rebounds. But you're just as likely to win a game off of a great defensive play as you are off of a game-winning shot. We saw that yesterday with Damian Lillard. He took a charge to win the game yesterday. It's not about what's flashy and what looks good. It's about what works. So we as a people get caught up in these bullshit-ass games of who was better, this person was this, this person was that, instead of learning the lesson overall of what can you take from each person. But this, and that's the reason why I'm having this, this broadcast today, because I want to point out in more totality who Dr. King was. Not just some old soft-ass nigga that they, that they portray in the news, in the way they're going to portray him tomorrow during the Martin Luther King Day games, where you have a whole bunch of athletes that can't read anything more than their last name. I like, I like Dr. King because Dr. King said... If we just come together, everything gonna be good. And you got kids listening to this shit. Kids wanna watch basketball and they gotta listen to a whole bunch of dumbass athletes talking about, I like Dr. King because after his speech, he made me feel good. I have a dream. I dream too when I'm asleep. Thank you, Dr. King. Shit, my parents calling me and shit. Call y'all back. Somebody said, what do you do when the game is tainted? You know the game is tainted. It is tainted. You do exactly what I'm saying right now. You should already know in the back of your head the game is tainted. You learn from every person. Everybody... Got some points on white supremacy back in the 60s. Stokely Carmichael got some points. Scored some buckets on them. Dr. King scored Dr. King scored a fuck ton of buckets. Malcolm scored buckets. You, you, you watch it the same way you watch film of a game. It don't matter if the refs are cheating. The refs can't stop you from coming off of a screen and knocking that, knocking that shot down. They can't stop you from doing that. So you study the plays where you score buckets. And you run those plays again. Then you look at the plays where you didn't score buckets and you stop running those plays. That's what you do. 
Right now, we're talking about Dr. King and how he played point guard during the Civil Rights Movement. So Dr. King, this, how he, this, is, this, this tells you what was on Dr. King's mind. When he went to jail in 1967, he spent five days in an Alabama jail. He took three books with him. The Bible, a text on economics, and the Confessions of Nat Turner. They don't like talking to people about that. Yeah, Dr. King was reading about Nat Turner. And he was also reading about economics. And getting a better understanding about, of economics. And how economics is used to keep black people on the bottom. So when he gets out of jail, Dr. King starts losing support from his Jewish friends. He's losing support from, uh, from Clayton Powell, Adam Clayton Powell. He's losing support from the, the TV stars of the day. And this was something that really stood out to me when he was talking about what was going on and some of the issues uh, with with black with with with, with his stats. He was basically being told that you know, you know, your anti-war stance. And this what happened. He was in, this what it was. It was an interview that he had, and he was told, you know, what do you do? You think you need to stop your anti-war, anti-poverty stance? Um, because it's not popular, and basically the money is getting real low in the SCLC. Dr. King's response was this, and I quote. I am not a consensus leader. Basically, what that means is I don't lead by what other people think I should do. He said, I don't determine what I don't determine what's right and wrong by looking at the budget of my company, of the SCLC. Leaders are not searchers for consensus, but leaders are a molder of consensus. Here's the reason why I thought that quote was so important. Because the thing that's always gotten black quote unquote leadership off over the years has been money. It's the money. The minute these white supremacists come along with some money, it turns the whole message upside down. Dr. King was someone who was quoted and it really ticked off the people under him. Look, homie, this ain't about the money. I'm doing this for my people. Dr. King got offered a pastorship at a church in England that was going to pay him a fuck ton of money to leave the United States and go and preach in England. He turned it down. Because although he went through all the stresses of the civil rights movement, he said, and I quote, I can't be over there basically making all this money watching my people in America struggle. No, you keep the money. So that's another look into Dr. King's character. Another thing I wanted to point out was during this time, you had the media and different people within the SCLC that was uh, 
talking about, you know, Stokely Carmichael. Stokely Carmichael was on his way up and he was galvanizing the youth. By now, Dr. King is 37, 38 years old. He has the old, like, he has all the old niggas mad at him because he's now talking about poverty, poverty and talking about the war. And he has the young black people mad at him because he's talking nonviolence. By the time 66, 67 comes around, people ain't trying to hear that nonviolent shit. They like, look, man, we need to turn up. These motherfuckers want to turn up on us. We need to turn up on them. So by the time you get to 1968, 1967, Stokely Carmichael is more popular in black America than Dr. King. Dr. King had two thirds of black America against him in 1967 into 1968. He was not popular at all. Nigga was not fucking with that nonviolence. But this is something that happened that I liked that, that really, for me, took an eye and gave me an eye into Dr. King's soul. When he was driving down the street in Atlanta one day, a bunch of hookers caught, was screaming at him at a red light, calling him a hooker. I mean, calling him a, a coon. Calling him all kinds of derogatory names. Dr. King had a driver go back to those hookers, told them where he was staying, and to come down and let's talk about it. Yes, I know the jokes that are, that are there, but I'm not going to go there because pay attention. I, I see the jokes. I see the jokes. I see the jokes. But let's, let's, let's get past the jokes and let's talk about what happened. They actually went down to Dr. King's hotel. I'm sorry, this wasn't Atlanta. This is Birmingham. This, this was Birmingham. They went down to his hotel. Dr. King set up in the conference room for them to sit down and, for, with coffee and pastries. And he explained to these women why he was doing nonviolence and the reason and the purpose of heightening the contradictions. And he wasn't talking in a way to get them, according to the ladies, to get them on his side. He just wanted clarity of his message. Dr. King was somebody who truly lived, as they said, Jesus should have lived. He talked to the downtrodden. He talked to the hookers. He talked to the people that most preachers would never talk to. Just so he can have understanding and he can hear them out. I said that to say because as 1967 moves along, like I said, Stokely Carmichael is the more important, is the more popular person. King uh, X is now dead. Uh, Stokely Carmichael is now more important, more, uh, not more important, but no more famous than King. And people start trying to make this rift between King and Carmichael. But they actually, King, Carmichael and King met up. They were actually on a, on a few bills together, on civil rights bills together, uh, speaking. And Dr. King agreed to not ever talk down about Stokely Carmichael and about his movement. Because although they disagreed, they disagreed on how to get this thing done, they both agreed that it needed to get done. And Dr. King said, you know, there's space for what Stokely Carmichael is saying. Um, by this time, the uh, a further rift between Dr. King and his own group, the SCLC, was coming in because now you have dudes like... Um, what was that gay dude's name? Y'all know that gay motherfucker that was with the civil rights movement. Urgh. 
God damn it, what's his name? Y'all gonna look. Come on, people. Chat room, help me out. Help me out here. Y'all know the gay dude that was in the civil rights movement. But anyway, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Help me out, chat room, please. Um, well, anyway, he there was a rift inviting because they wanted Dr. King to come out and denounce Stokely Carmichael's violence and what he was talking about in his rhetoric. That was basically on some coon shit. Saying, nah, nah, nah. That's Stokely Carmichael too radical now. The white folk, yeah, Bayard Rustin. Thank you, Wes. Bayard West Rustin. Bayard Rustin, yes. Bayard Rustin was coming out and he was undermining King's efforts because he wanted King to come out against Stokely Carmichael and the young people who were talking about more aggressive means. And, Stuck, and Dr. King said, look, these young dudes have a voice. I ain't the only one out here. I'm nonviolent, but Stokely Carmichael and that group, the Panthers, they got a right to want to be violent. I ain't about to talk shit about them. Who am I to say something about them when they've been raised in the, in the America that we're in? Who am I to basically tell them that they're wrong? That was Dr. King. Dr. King stood up to his own organization to support a movement that was against, kind of kind of against what he was preaching because at the end of the day, it was still right the way they did it. It wasn't the way Dr. King believed, but Dr. King believed that people are justified in their rage and their violence. So he's not gonna be one of the motherfuckers, one of the old niggas talking shit about the young niggas. That's a lot we can learn from that as a people. What's up, Brian Manifesto? That's something that we can learn as a people. Dr. King, even though he had his own philosophy and he was entrenched, 100,000% in his philosophy, he gave credence, he gave credibility to other people's philosophies and justification for it. Yes. Dr. King was somebody who, although he didn't necessarily agree with you. If your stance was one that was just, he was cool with you. Dr. King had a quote when they were talking about the riots of LA riots in 1966. Cause those riots happened just after he left LA and the riots around the country. They were trying to get him to basically speak out against it. And he says this, if one finds a law unjust, he has a moral responsibility to stand against that law. Even if it means breaking that law. That's a direct quote from Dr. Martin Luther King. Yes, Dr. King, was about more responsibility. Yes, he was about things being right. But he also gave others the freedom to express the way they saw it from their point of view. 
That's who Dr. King was. And if you don't like Dr. King, if you think he was a phony and he was wrong, that's fine. Get out of here. We don't want to hear what you got to say. We here giving love and reverence to a man who loved us and who gave his life for us. Whether you agree with his methods or not. There comes a time in life as a person, as a man, as a woman to where you give credit to those who deserve the credit and if there's something that you within them that you take nothing from that you don't like, as long as they didn't harm or hurt the greater good, just leave it alone. I might put that t-shirt on the law. On, on, a, on that shirt, I said that on that quote on a t-shirt. But I do have this quote on a t-shirt right here. I do have this quote. My new t-shirts. I fear I may have integrated my people into a burning house. My new t-shirts on hotepish.com slash apparel. They are there now. Go get yours. We're here talking about Dr. Martin Luther King, who he really was and how he evolved and how he grew through his lifetime. And what can we do to learn from who the real Dr. King was? And how can we share this message of who the real Dr. King was? To those who are either misinformed or just don't know. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. Dr. King, who was he really? Um, so we... So we, we get in we get into the nineteen sixty eight elections, sixty seven. Before we get as people are campaigning for nineteen sixty eight in nineteen sixty seven, Doctor Queen King has some thoughts on um, black political leadership. Doctor King started to see in nineteen after nineteen sixty four, especially a lot of black people getting put into these different positions after nineteen sixty sixty four, and. He asked the basic question because he saw, although black people were getting put into these positions, nothing was being done to better black people's positions uh, and black people's e economics in the neighborhoods we lived in. So Dr. King made a statement. He said, "It's meaningless of it's meaningless to have black faces in high places if they can't galvanize the government in local." at local and federal levels to send money. That's a direct quote from Dr. King. What good is it having black faces, black mayors, black Congress people, if those black people can't influence the government locally and nationally to send dollars to their district? Boom, for you voteps. Remember this. We don't vote out of tradition. We don't vote because of we shall overcome. 
You vote for people who are going to send money your way. That's all the fuck politics is. And if they ain't going to send money your way, what good is them being black? The senator's job is to get federal contracts over to your district, to your state. It's your congressperson's job to make sure those contracts and that money gets spent in the district you live in. Hey, government, you have a budget for military. So you know what? The people over here, you know what? My district needs some jobs. How about you put that factory in my district? That's the congressperson's job. Put that company in my district so we can make some money. Ford, GM, Toyota, put a plant in my district so we can circulate money. That's the purpose of a politician. Purpose of a black mayor is to get state funds sent to his black ass city so his black ass city can do something for the black ass people. If your black ass mayor ain't doing that, then you ass out of luck, nigga. Dr. King was giving us the game, but this is the Dr. King that they don't like to talk about. They've in effect hidden this Dr. King it's almost as if this Dr. King never existed. When these are the thoughts and words of Dr. King after he woke up from his dream. So don't let people tell you about Martin Luther King's dream. If they want to talk to you about Martin Luther King's dream, you hit them back with what he said when he woke up. What good is a black person in office if they ain't bringing the money? There is no solving racism in America without solving the poverty in America. Dr. King was somebody who not only had to fight America, he had to fight the internals within his own organization because his own organization wanted him to go back to sleep. And they whitewashed King. And we can't let them do it. Well, they whitewashed They're going to do what they do. It's up to us to sanitize and correct the whitewashed version. Look, they whitewashing ain't shit but baby powder. All we got to do is sneeze, throw some water on that shit, and the truth is going to come out. You dig? They've been dropping a dusty-ass baby powder on Dr. King's legacy over the last 50 years. And all we got to do is put a water hose to it. They're going to keep doing what they do. But no matter how big their propaganda mill is, no matter how many movies they have, no matter how many doc documentaries they put out, no matter how many, no matter how many dumbass athletes they got running, uh, splitting verbs and saying dumb shit about who Martin Luther King wasn't, None of that can stand up to the truth. Because when you're in a dark room and you want the dark to be over with, all you got to do is turn on the light. You don't fight darkness. That's shadow boxing. You just turn the light on. And the darkness runs, leaves, ain't got nowhere to go. 
That's all you got to do. So that's what we're doing right here. We're correcting the legacy of Dr. King. Again, I encourage you to read the book Death of the King by, by Tavis Smiley. Dr. King wasn't no punk. He was a man of conviction. He had a bigger picture. He saw the bigger picture. He wasn't saying that everybody shouldn't be violent. Those who were violent, he never spoke out against them. But Dr. King knew his role. And his role was nonviolence. And his role was to heighten the contradictions of American bullshit versus how America really works through nonviolence. That was his way. And if that's your way, stand on it. Don't let people who think differently knock you off your square. But if you're the kind of person that, that believes in the other ways, stand on it. Don't let just because Martin Luther King believed in nonviolence and you believe in other ways, don't let that sway you. Whatever your way is, of combating the system of racism, white supremacy, stand on it. Stand on it. Seek the wise counsel of others. Because when, when with Dr. King standing on it, he stood on it, but that wasn't at the cost of seeking wise counsel. He still talked to other people. He still would go and listen to Adam Clayton Powell. He sat and talked with Stokely Carmichael. He sat and talked to with Elijah Muhammad. He talked with people who didn't believe well, how he believed, and he listened to them. He listened to their point of view. He let them express themselves fully. While at the same time, he didn't impress himself and force himself onto others who thought differently. He basically said, look, this is how I see it. And if you're down with that, cool. If you're not, cool. There's a lot we can learn from that. There's a lot we can learn from that as a people. To be strong in your convictions. To be steadfast, to be staunch. But at the same time, be open. And have a level of understanding to where you understand, hey, this is the way I see it. But others may see it a little bit differently. And it's not us up on us to fight each other. It's on us to understand each other. And to go back to doing whatever the hell we do with confidence, but also with love. Because although Malcolm X wasn't about that nonviolence, he was still about that love. Mar Malcolm X and Martin Luther King shared the same love for black people. Malcolm X loved us. But Malcolm X's way was by any means necessary of defending that love. And it worked. Martin Luther King loved us. His way of getting us a better day was through nonviolence, and it worked.
I got a few more things I wanted to say about Dr. King. Then I'm I'm, I'm gonna open it up for questions for y'all in the chat room. If you want your question to go to the top, hit me on the Cash App and, your, and type your question in there in the Cash App, and I'll go. I'll answer yours right away. If you don't want to cash out the question you want to put in the chat room, I'll get to it. I'll get to it if I have time. I don't care either way. I ain't trying to force anyone to do shit. Do it how you feel it. You feel me? But then here's who Dr. King was. When he was facing pushback from the church when it came to his Poor People's March and when it came to going towards economics, this is what he told other preachers in a conference in Miami. He said, let us admit, the church has often been a taillight and not a headlight. That was his way of saying, look, preachers, y'all doing all that talking as if you know it all. But how often is the church first in anything? The church is always last when it comes to seeing what's going on with the time and changing. This is coming from a devout Christian who loved the Lord, but he also told the truth. Do you know that right before, so, so let's go back to right before Dr. King died. Right before Dr. King died, April 3rd, 1968 he tells Harry Belafonte Andrew Young and a few other people that I fear I have integrated my people into a burning house Dr. King was concerned because he saw where America was headed and he got to see that look hmm Maybe that integration thing that I stood for earlier, maybe that wasn't a lick. Maybe that wasn't it. I think a player fucked up is what Dr. King said in, in no uncertain terms. Dr. King got to see for all the work that he put in because he's always self-analyzing and seeing where he won and seeing where he made mistakes. Another thing that we can take from Dr. King. No matter how great you are or something, no matter how good you are or something, be willing to be open to see where you fucked up. And Dr. King basically said, that's where I went wrong. I may have integrated my people because America... This shit here, I don't know if this gonna last. Thursday, April 4th, 1968. The morning of Dr. King's assassination. He writes out his sermon for the following Sunday and sends it in to his secretary to put it into the program. Do you know what the title of that sermon was? The morning of his death, Thursday, April 4th, 1968? 
The title of his next sermon was Why America May Go to Hell. The title of his final sermon, if he were to preach it, was Why America May Go to Hell. I wish I got to hear that. <clears throat> then motherfucker said, look, he about to talk about what? We got to take him out today. Come on, Billy Cows, and bring him outside. Step to the side so we can get this nigga. I encourage you to look up on We All Be TV, Ronald Herd. He has an interview with Dick Gregory where Dick Gregory talks about Martin Luther King. And he points out Reverend Billy Kyle's. Billy Kyle's, he just died recently. But I encourage y'all, Dick Gregory pointed this out. And then if you go on YouTube and there is let me see if I can find the link to this. If I can find the link, I will put it in the chat room. Billy Cowles does this thing every year where he talks about the assassination of Dr. King. There's a video out there, and it's kind of hard to find. It's kind of hard to find now because Dick Gregory blew it up and made it so popular. They keep taking this video down. Oh, here it is. He has like a, a Billy Kyle's has a, a Freudian slip. Matter of fact, I'm about to play it. I ain't, I ain't gonna have, I'm just gonna play it right here. I'm gonna play it right here. Where he talks about the shot. And he says, as I step out onto the balcony, well, hold on, I'm, I'm gonna let you guys listen to it. This is about a minute or two long. I'm gonna let y'all listen to it. Let's see if I can, um, here it is. Y'all see it? Let me know if y'all can hear it. Can y'all hear it? No, y'all can't hear it. No, y'all can't hear it. Huh? They hear it, people. Let me see here. Let me see. Let me see if I can do this. Damn it. Sound effects. Damn it. I can't get to it. Ah, shit. No sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got, I didn't, see, I should have set this up before. I didn't set it up. I didn't set it up. Damn it. Let me see here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me try one more thing. Let me try one more thing. But y'all see the title of it down here. Um, if I can't play it. Damn it. No, 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 no. Come on, loop back. Let me see. I'm, I'm going to try one more thing. And if I can't get it going... Then, fuck it. 
okay, mewing, okay, I have Google Chrome on, okay, okay, let's see if, let's see if it works now, if it don't work now, then, can y'all hear? No, y'all can't hear, okay. Uh, damn it. Well, anyway, look this up yourself then. Shit. Look it up yourself. Um, it's, it's Reverend Billy Kyles. And basically, uh, what, he, what he's saying here, he has like a Freudian slip. He basically says, look, we walked out onto the patio. And he said, I stepped out the way so they could take a shot. As they took the shot. Huh? So, Billy Kyle, you saying you walked out there in your words? You can Google this on Yahoo, on, on Yahoo I mean, in, in YouTube. Y'all here, look, I'm, I'm going to take y'all down to the title. Y'all see the title? MLK Conspiracy, Reverend Samuel Billy Kyle's AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Y'all see where I got this from. Go back and watch this shit yourself. It's basically Billy Kyle saying, look, we set this nigga up, allegedly. And when you read through the FBI documents, go and look up Dick Gregory, because Dick Gregory is a person back in 1999. He did the Kennedy King assassination. Uh, he, did, he, he did work on that. And the, basically... That's why they got the government to basically admit that they killed Dr. King. This story was released um, back in 1999. But what was the number one story on the news back then? The number one story on the news back then was Bill Clinton getting impeached for getting his dick sucked by Monica Lewinsky. So it didn't get much coverage when the government basically admitted taking responsibility for the death of Dr. Martin Luther King because people was worried about the president and his Johnson. Boy, 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 boy. How easily the people are distracted. Remember, people, Dr. King was much more than the person that they present to us. I think it's a shame when black people go around talking about some, oh, if Dr. King, he wasn't this, he wasn't that. You know what that is? That's you allowing a racist perspective of him be the predominant thought of him in your mind. I have certain people I don't necessarily agree with. And I do believe there is a time to cuss certain people out. I do believe in that. Y'all know me. I don't think Andrew Young is shit. I don't think John Lewis was shit. I don't give a damn about President Obama. I don't give a damn about Elijah Cummings. 
I don't give a damn about none of these motherfucking black politicians. But it's a difference between a politician and someone who lived their life to serve the greater good of black people. They're two different things. Politician's job is to serve their community, to serve their constituents, to serve the people that voted them into office. I can with a clear conscience talk shit about John Lewis, Barack Obama, and different politicians because they, Kamala Harris, well, she ain't even black, maybe really Obama. These are people who were elected to do a job of the constituents that put them in office. And once they got in office, they turned their back on that constituency. And not only did they turn their back on that constituency, they actually voted in things that harmed and hurt their people. So a politician that operates in that manner is free game. Fuck them. Y'all ran in on a false pretense. You didn't do anything when you got the power. You told us one thing, and then when you got in, you did something else. Fuck you. But for a person like a Dr. King, He wasn't a politician. He didn't go up any, under any false pretenses. He didn't say, I'm going to take you left and then go right. Dr. King said, this is my philosophy on how to get things accomplished, and this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to do it to death. I'm not a Muslim, but I honor Elijah Muhammad. I'll never be a Muslim. Bacon too fucking good, and I'm not putting a part in my hair. See, like every nation of Islam nigga I know, this nigga got a part in his head. Fuck, nigga, all these, all these niggas running around looking like Michael Irvin. I ain't wearing no hot ass tuxedo and selling bean pies. But I respect those brothers. They do the best they can do with what they got. I respect Elijah Muhammad. I reverence Elijah Muhammad. Elijah Muhammad gave us X. He gave us Khalid Muhammad. He gave us Farrakhan. He gave us Muhammad Ali. And he gave us Shahrazad Ali. Those are five people that I honor that were born under the tree of Elijah Muhammad. Dr. King even changed his approach and his point of view after sitting down and meeting with Elijah Muhammad. Do you know that Dr. King stood with, with, a Martin, with a Muhammad Ali when he got banned from boxing? Dr. King was asked, how can you stand with a fighter and you're about nonviolence? Dr. King said, you know, fighting is his sport. That's what he does for a living. What he does has his place. But I agree with him on his anti-war stance. Why are we over there killing people who ain't hurt us? Dr. King was able to still stand and support a brother who was of a different religion. A group of people who did nothing but talk shit about Dr. King to tell the truth. But because what Muhammad Ali was going through wasn't right, it wasn't just, and Muhammad Ali stood on a just and right foundation. 
Dr. King publicly stood with him at the behest of his own organization. Again, his own organizations were like, why are you with him? He's a Muslim. He's 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 a fighter. He's, he's about violence. We're not. Dr. King said, look, man, I know how to set petty differences to the side when it comes to a message of the greater good. I respect those brothers, even though I don't agree with their doctrine. I'll never be a Muslim because the Muslims enslaved black people before the Christians did. The Christians and the British and, and the Albions, the Europeans learned about the slave trade from the Arab, from the Muslims. The Arab slave trade started in Africa 700 years before European Christianity slavery? 700 years? So hell no, I'll never be a Muslim. I'll never be a Hebrew Israelite. I'm not wearing a purple gown and speaking on a motherfucking megaphone on Crenshaw and King. You need to come back and there you're from the Lion of Judah. Them niggas argue too much. But I respect those brothers at least. They are, at least they ain't out there begging. At least they have a religion that has them standing up on themselves and standing on their own. They're not, they're not giving power to a deity that doesn't look like them. I respect those Hebrew Israelite brothers, even though they can't get a nigga that know how to read on the megaphone. I think that's something that we all can learn from Dr. King and from this and who Dr. King was. Dr. King is somebody who started, you know, one way and he evolved. I will say this. I didn't, I didn't agree with everything Dr. King did. I think Dr. King made some mistakes. What were some of the mistakes Dr. King made, in my opinion? Again, it's my opinion. But it's my opinion based off my study of history. And I think Dr. King would, would have evolved too. With him being the kind of person that was open-minded, had he lived longer, he may have come around to what I'm saying. He may have not. But I didn't agree with all that. We need to join hands together with other groups. We don't need to join with Latin groups and white groups and Asian groups. We don't need that. I think Dr. King was wrong when he came to that. But I also understand why he thought that at the time, because at the time in the 1960s, America was basically only black and white. The amount of immigrants of non-European, non-black descent was negligible. So I get it. You, As black Americans, we see that whether you're Asian, Latino, Indian American, whatever. These white supremacists don't fuck with y'all. We see that. So I understand why he saw it back then at that time. But we've seen since Dr. King's death that these other groups, although we have good intentions of joining together, 
they don't view us that way. Other groups don't see black people as anybody to unite with until it's time to steal our music. And the way we talk, and the way we walk, and the way we dress, and the way we act, and our culture. That's the only time there's ever a black, brown, or any kind of a minority coalition. When it, kind, when it comes time to take the dope shit that black people create, oh yeah, it's a, it's a coalition then. But when it comes time for resources, they don't give a fuck about us. They don't fuck with us. So yeah, I do think Dr. King was wrong on that everybody needs to come together shit. That everybody needs to come together shit. We tried it. It didn't work. Look at what's going on in Oregon right now. Oregon created a coronavirus bill that was only going to help black people that descend from slavery. And what happened? Lawsuits. Lawsuits from Latinos. Lawsuits from Asians. Lawsuits from white people. Every group got together and created a coalition to stop black people from getting shit. This ain't 1967. This is two weeks ago, nigga. I wish it could be a, a coalition between blacks and other groups, but those other groups don't want the coalition. Like I said before, some of the dopest people I know are Mexican. I wish, I wish that, that it would be great if Mexicans really wanted to fuck with us and unite with us. This racism shit really would end overnight. But they don't. They, for the most part, especially those they elect to power, and that's where it matters. The person, the person uh, that you smoke weed with, they ain't the ones calling no shots. The ones calling the shots is they see themselves as European. They see themselves as white. If they see themselves that way, who am I to tell them what they're not? How a person views themselves culturally is going to inform the political decisions that they make. So yeah, they may want to rap. They may want to. They want. They may want to listen to Tupac, low ride with you, smoke with you, have a good time with you. But how they view themselves culturally is going to determine what they go behind that voter, that voter booth and vote for. That's what's going to determine what policies they stand for. And if they see themselves as white, I don't give a fuck how many Dr. Dre CDs they got. They gonna be white when it comes down, when it comes time to spending the money. When it comes down to how our tax dollars are spent, they gonna be white. And what did Dr. King say about what good is a black politician if they can't bring money? I guarantee you half them motherfuckers up there in Oregon saying stopping black people from getting a, a, a specific uh, tangibles from the COVID. I guarantee, I guarantee you 60% of them listen to hip hop. Watch the NBA wear Jordans. I promise you 60% of them do that. 60% of them, maybe 80% of them, they're the ones at your job talking about Black Lives Matter.
But when the time came time to get money to the black people, look at how they act. That's where I disagree with Martin Luther King. Do I believe in nonviolence? I believe nonviolence has its place. I believe violence has its place. I believe all things should be on the table at all times. You can have it the easy way or the hard way. One reason why what Dr. Martin Luther King did work was because on the other end, they had Malcolm X talking about any means necessary and he meant it and they knew he meant it. So through having a Malcolm X and a Nation of Islam out there with an enforcement arm, Dr. King gave them a non-violent option and they took it. And black people got political victories mostly in 1964. 65, 66. Black people had about two or three election cycles with a few political victories. So on that level, it worked. But it goes to show you, fire and ice are both necessary. The last thing what we don't need is a whole bunch of niggas arguing fire or ice. Both, nigga. Both. Somebody said talk about Gandhi. Fuck Gandhi. That's what I got to say about Gandhi. Fuck him. He was a racist piece of shit. And unfortunately, Dr. Martin Luther King wasn't all the way aware of what Gandhi was doing with the Dravidians and the untouchables down there in India. If he were, I'm sure he would have taken a different stance. I hear you, Queen, about us not uniting with one another, but even that right there, we'll never unite with one another. Let me say that again. We'll never unite with one another on that level of unity. Black people only need to unite around a code of conduct that's going to put our survival first. We're the oldest people on the planet. We've been here for millions of years. Like they always say there's more DNA diversity within the continent of Africa than it is around the whole world combined. Nigeria has like 300 different languages. Black people are never going to unite on that level. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. But that's not what we're looking for. We don't need to unite. We can be different. Hell, white people aren't united. The only thing them crackers unite over is how they going to mistreat us. Outside of that, White people don't get along with each other. They hate each other. This capital right prove that. <laughs> Last week's events proved these motherfuckers can't stand each other. And they'll fight it out to the death over who gets the bat to beat our asses. Black people just got to unite long enough to have a black first agenda to put our survival first.
And if your survival first means a Martin Luther King philosophy, cool. If your survival first means a Malcolm X philosophy, cool. If your survival first means Black Panther or or Marcus Garvey or Noble Drew Ali, cool. But whatever it is, remember this: they ain't no leaders. One thing we can't do from the one thing, one thing we can't do is make the mistake we made last generation running around having leaders and shit. Because when they kill off a leader, you kill off a movement. If the if the movement is dependent upon a leader. I talked about this the other day. Um, actually, this morning on Facebook. The whole Colin Kaepernick thing at the NFL, you got niggas. 99% of the niggas who wanted to boycott the NFL are now back to watching the NFL. Why? Because you had niggas following Colin Kaepernick and not the message. The problem was racism in the NFL. The problem is a black person not being able to voice their political opinions and keep a job. The problem was black players were getting treated differently than, than white players. The problem was a black, a white NFL that depends on black talent turning a benign eye to black problems. That was a problem. Colin Kaepernick was just the most popular person to bring voice to that problem. And I was telling people back in 2016, they're saying about Colin Kaepernick, this is about the issue that Kaepernick is addressing. The issue is police brutality, and people fucking up black people while at the same time needing black people. That's what he was protesting. But what did niggas do? I'm standing with Cap. I'm with Cap. It's all about Kaepernick. And then Kaepernick went silent. Stopped saying shit. Nike gave him a fuck ton of money. Niggas celebrated. Oh, Kaepernick won. He got a lot of money. Woo, woo, woo. Kaepernick went silent. The NFL brought in Jay-Z and niggas went right back to watching football and then a goddamn thing changed. That's what niggas need to fix. Uniting around people. Making people the, uh, the center of attention. Making people the thing that we rally behind. Fuck people. You rally behind the idea. The goal. Not individuals. Martin Luther King taught us that. When the people were listening to Stokely Carmichael and the Black Panthers, he didn't say, no, 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 come on back to me. I'm better than they are because I got you the civil rights. He said, well, this is my point of view, and that's theirs. At the end of the day, they want to end racism, white supremacy. I want to end racism, white supremacy. So that's what we're here for. To be clear, that's what we're here for. to move the needle forward. I got my way, you got your way. Whatever way that is, be 100 with it.
You're right about that. We idolize celebrities because those in power created our possession due to <clears throat> due to the media. Facts. Facts, facts, facts. So yeah. That's what I wanted to point out and say and talk about with Dr. Martin Luther King. I now open the floor to your questions, if you have any. If you have any questions. Let's see. Yeah, I'm gonna be doing some stuff. I gotta have, later on this week, I'm gonna have my man Joe Fox on. We're supposed to do it today, but I wanted to get the Dr. King address out the way because tomorrow is his birthday. And I want us to be on alert for the bullshit because you know the bullshit is coming. You know it's coming. You know tomorrow they're going to have all these people. I like Dr. Martin King because he was non-violent, non-violent. And he thought everybody in the world should be non-violent. And and, and he had a dream. And, and, and yeah, that, that's what you're going to hear tomorrow. That's what we are going to hear tomorrow. Let's see here. Generate mock-up. I'm about to uh, show you guys my new t-shirts. I got my new t-shirts. I got my new t-shirts. Where are, where is that mock-up? Where is it? Cause I got my new t-shirts. I want y'all to see these hoes. There we go. Show in finder. There we go. Here 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 we go. This is the new t-shirt, y'all. Get yours. Martin Luther King. I fear I may have integrated my people into a burning house. Because Dr. King, he saw the shit right before he died. He saw the, he saw the bullshit that was going on. And he said, Lord, 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 the player fucked up. Please forgive a player. I have a dream I fucked up and sent you niggas into a house that's burning. Run out the burning house, niggas. And stop electing these motherfuckers because they're black. If they're not bringing in the money, fuck them. Yes, these t-shirts are available now. I fear I may have integrated my people into a burning house. Dr. Martin Luther, the K. Like this shit. Subscribe. Yeah.
Yeah, you're right about that. People fell for that shit with the NFAC. Don't be going there with them leaders. Celebrities are celebrities. They ain't leaders. Talib Picks asks, who would you place president and vice president between MLK? I would put a, going along with that question, I would put Malcolm X as president, MLK as vice president. Vice president is the one you send out. Oftentimes, vice president got to be the, sometimes got to be the diplomat. Vice president, remember the vice president is the president of the Senate. So they gotta they gotta be the one that come in with that tiebreaker. The vice president is the one that goes to foreign countries and do a lot of run, a lot of talking when the president is busy. See, Malcolm X let these motherfuckers know, don't fuck with us. But I'm gonna send Dr. King out first. If you listen to him, you be good. But if you don't listen to him, you're gonna have to listen to my any means by motherfucking necessary. So yeah, going off that question, I would put Malcolm X as president, MLK as vice president personally. But if someone else wanted it the other way. I can see that too. That's why Needy Footer always talks about, again, why somebody, the reason why we don't need leaders. Needy Footer always says it. We are the, we, ha, we are supposed to have a united, independent. His book is called The United Independent Compensatory Code Concept. Why independent? Because mindsets can't be infiltrated. Groups can. Again, let me say that again. You can't infiltrate a mindset. But you can infiltrate a group. This is the women's mock-up of the shirt. We got your men's and your women's. You got your men's and your women's. Let's see what other questions y'all have. Do you still have humility? Do you think it's useful these days? That's a good question. You have humility with yourself. Always have humility with yourself. Always know that you can be wrong. Always know that you can be fucked. Look, look, man, we all, we all trying to figure this shit out on this earth. It's just a few of us have greater insight in certain areas than others. And I don't put the person with greater insight as to what's going on into society above other people because a person like me, a person like Dr. King may have great insight as to what's going on socially, but I ain't got no goddamn insight on how to fix my plumbing. I ain't got no insight on how to design a satellite. I ain't got no insight on a lot of shit. So there is humility to know that whatever areas you have greater insight on than others may have, to know that that's just your piece of the larger pie to contribute to the whole. And to have that level of humility, to, humility to know that you're just a part of a whole and the whole is greater than you. And to learn from the whole because it's people who know more than, than we know. Have humility in that aspect. But as far as humility is coming in, when they talk some be humble and 
you know, and acquiesce that level of humility? No. No. It's time for niggas to stand up straight out your back and let your dick swing. Be confident about what you got going. Whatever you good at, man, you better be confident in that shit. You better chin up, chest out. Walk with some goddamn swag. Let motherfuckers know when you walk into a building, they feel you because your energy's on 10. Better be confident. All that duck in your head. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You right, sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. I, I just I just go and do my work in the corner. The eyes won't bother anybody. Man, fuck that. Did I talk about Chicago? No, I didn't mention the Chicago point, but I will say this. Martin Luther King did say that Chicago was way harder than him anywhere in the South. They wanted to kill MLK, whatever they could have gotten them. I don't want to say either or, instead Chicago or. They wanted MLK dead. They didn't care if he was dead in Memphis or Chicago or D.C. or L.A. They were trying to get that motherfucker. <laughs> this nigga saying way too much. Yep. Dr. King told us who we were. He said, before the European forefathers was here, you were here. Before Jefferson signed the Declaration of Independence, you were here. Yep. Good cop, bad cop. Good point. It starts with us doing these shits at home. We got this also that we got to learn at home. That's why I'm out here just doing my, I'm just look, I'm just doing my piece. I love studying these motherfuckers. That's where I get my joy. I watch basketball and then I learn. Every now and again, well, today's Sunday, so I will be watching Real Housewives of Atlanta tonight with my wife. Yes, I will be watching the Real Housewives of Atlanta tonight. That show is funny as hell. I said that shit before. To see a bunch of pretty women with big booties arguing, that shit's hilarious. The shade that they be throwing to each other. That shade be killing me. <laughs> I get a good laugh every time I watch The Real Housewives of Atlanta. Yes, yes, yes. Because I'm profound and I'm profane, nigga. I like all this shit. That's nothing we got to get rid of. Just because they, people think that they got a little bit of information, niggas want to deify somebody just because they teach and say, hey, you, you're open mind. You, you teach the kids. Why do you smoke weed and watch Housewives? Because I like getting high. And watching the fucking Housewives. That's why. That shit's fucking great. I love that show. I love it. I've also read five books so far this year. You got niggas running around. I'm not gonna watch the Housewives. That's so, that's, oh my God. What's wrong with black people? Oh God. And that's cool. But I am. Can you be tripping? Can you be shading people? She got a fake booty. Yeah. But Cynthia, 
Cynthia tripping this season talking about she don't want to get married on a certain date. You better marry that nigga Mike Hill. And as far as Mike Hill, y'all saw my second time on, on Foxhole. That nigga Mike Hill didn't, ooh, I was too black for that nigga when I was on that stage. I was too, he was like, so you're, you're going to vote. We, 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 we got to get Trump out of the office, right? You don't give a fuck about Trump, Mike Hill. Ooh, that nigga was. Ooh, I could tell he was when I was on when I was on Fox Soul. Ooh, shit, I was saying that nigga was getting nervous. <laughs> now I don't watch P Valley again. I don't. I can't watch everything. I don't. I don't watch too many TV shows. Like when it get when it start when the shit started to get too gay and men kissing, that's when I'm out. When men get to kissing, I'm out. And but I get for those who can't watch it. Cool. But yeah, when men get when they when they, when, when when TV shows get to man loving, you know, salute to the LGBTQ people. I ain't got no issue with y'all. But I'm not fucking with it when men get to kissing. I'm good. Yes, fake body touch. Kenya, she has that fake booty. My wife pointed that out when we watched. Like Kenya, y'all ass did not look like that. Uh, six seasons ago. Now all of a sudden you got a Porsche booty. Calm down, and calm down, Kenya. You ain't got to ask like Porsche. I love Porsche. I, I love when they, anytime the camera walk by and my wife probably listening. Don't get mad. But I love when the, well she ain't getting mad. She know how I am. Well, I love when the camera walk by. And you get a good shot of Porsche's booty. Man, that shit's perfect. Ooh, I love. Ooh, yes, 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 yes. I love Housewives because it's women. Shit. I'm not really fucking with... I couldn't fuck with Empire. Too much man love. I can't do... When, when men get to kissing, I'm good. Like, my stomach start hurting. I, 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 the minute I see men kiss on TV, I'm out. Or if the, if it's really good, I may just have to close my eyes for that scene. But, but 99% of the time, I, I'm out. I'm turning the channel or, baby, you can keep watching this. I'm out. He said, Kenya's solid. She just needs some direction. Kenya was just married. You could tell homeboy was trying to give her some direction. She didn't want to listen. Portia, yeah, poor, <laughs> and it is funny with Portia being an activist now. Portia really thought the Underground Railroad was under some building back a few seasons ago. Remember that? She's like, well, how did the train get down there? <laughs> Portia evolved from that to the whole Black Lives Matter thing. <laughs> Shouts out to Portia. Those of us who are awake know that BLM is a bunch of bullshit. And those of us who understand, you know, history, you know, it doesn't confuse us. But Portia's new to her journey. She's new in her journey of activism. So she has to go through whatever steps. So I'm not going to be one here to sit here and judge her. You know what I mean? We all know BLM is BS and we know. But she has to find that out as she travels along her way. You ain't gonna go from where Portia was when she thought the underground railroad was under some house to where we are right now. That's the leap isn't gonna happen that fast, people. <laughs> Portia probably be where we are by twenty. If she said around in twenty forty, Portia be where we at right now in twenty forty. I will be doing a breakdown on that new uh nate parker movie 
I forgot the name of it. American Skin, is that what it's called? Uh, I'm going to watch it sometime this week. And then we'll be doing a breakdown of American Skin. I've had listeners inbox me and tell me they want me to do a background, a, a, a breakdown of that. And I want to see it. What's up, Bossa Queen? You're right, got to start somewhere. So, yeah. The whole point is, you know, like, I'm, one thing I just realized through life, man, life is just easier the less you judge. And mind you, uh, you, you talking to me, Dewan Brown, who used to be a judgmental motherfucker. Mind you, I spent my whole life in church. So I'm telling you, that should, that should let you know. I spent my first 30 years on this planet, not my whole life, but I spent my first 30 years of life in church. So I was a judgmental motherfucker. Part of my evolution in life was releasing judgment. And I saw the more I released judgment, the better my life got. And the more I attracted the things that I want and desire, because I don't have half my mind fixated on some shit that I don't want. I got all my mind fixated on the things that I love and want. And, and I attract that. But that all came with releasing the judgment. Because when you're looking, when you're judging people, when you're holding people to things, it's like you got a goddamn hot air balloon that's trying to lift you off into the ethers so you can see the world, but you holding on to some shit that's stuck on the ground. That's judgment. Judgment is anchoring your hot air balloon to the ground. You ain't going to be able to fly and soar and get all of the things out of life that you want and desire and have a carefree mind while doing so until you release the judgment. I'm not saying you can't be rich because there's a lot of people who still get the money. I know some rich people, but to be rich and full of judgment is, is even more of a problem. That's why rich people kill themselves faster than poor people. Because they got all the money they to spend in the world. They can go anywhere they want. They can get anything they want. But they're so caught up in judgment, they don't get to enjoy any of it. Let that shit go. And if you can't let it go, smuggle joint let it go. Take some fucking shrooms or some shit. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> All my dicks said it right when I said it. Eat some mushrooms let it go. Or that baggage. You got damn right. Tell me y'all right now, man, my trip on shrooms. I'm about to get up out of here, but I will got to, I do have to say this. Oh, shit, now my neighbor over here cussing her goddamn, oh my God, my neighbor is sorry. Anyway, uh, yeah, but shrooms, man, shit. You meditate, get your mind clear, drink some orange juice, take some mushrooms, and you let it go. Them shrooms will show you that the shit that be happening here is a bunch of bullshit. Why are you holding on to it? Let it go. Don't be scared of the mushrooms, Mickey. I was scared of the mushrooms for a long time. Now I wish I did it sooner. No, I have not done the toad. I will do the toad one day. I have not done the toad. I'm not. But I'm so not against it anymore. Man, I tell you right now, when I went on my shroom trip, I was able to ask myself certain questions and get those questions answered with clarity. And you know you got a clear answer when your 
when your guts is vibrating, your stomach, you feel it in your soul, your solar plexus. You feel it in that yellow and orange chakra. You be like, oh, you can't deny that feeling. Like, oh, that was for me. You get a lot of those moments when you're on your shroom trip. And the best part about it is when you come out that, shri- that trip, you hold on to it. I'm telling you right now, I ain't going to mention no names because it's not worth it. If this was two weeks ago, I would actually mention the name, but I'm not because I'm over it. But I've had some friends that fucked me over and, and I, certain things like I was over 95% of how I got fucked over by this individual. But it was still part of me that still wanted to be like, man, I'm about to I beat this motherfucker's ass. That whole situation got revealed to me on my shroom trip. And I was like, man, why am I tripping over this shit? Well, all I got going for me, I'm tripping over some shit that happens eight, nine, ten years ago? For what? Man, I let that shit go. And when I tell you it's gone, it is gone. I mean, to the point to where the other day I tried to conjure up negative emotions about this person. And that shit just felt silly. I was like, am I really over it? Or was that just a moment in time? And I tried to conjure up negative thoughts and emotions about this individual. And I felt silly doing it. Like, nigga, DeJuan, what the fuck is you doing? He'll let that go. And I started laughing like, nigga, I really let it go. That's how beautiful my shroom trip was. I'm not a doctor, so I'm not recommending to you anything. But I'm just going to only speak from my experience. The come down from the shrooms wasn't shit. Cause I was smoking weed. It was like, it kind of... You kind of realize that you're not there anymore. You out, you out there. You in space. You kind of going through your shit, and then you look up. You know, you coming down, and you go to sleep. But it wasn't no like real hard come down. It was probably like landing an airplane. When you land an airplane, you know you're back on the ground. But you know, you're back on the ground. But it wasn't no traumatic like drop off. You just kind of eased your way on down. You touch down softly, then you back to rolling. Do the shrooms give you the munchies? Not really. I was smoking weed while I was uh, on my shrooms, so. Uh, yeah, kind of not. But maybe, I don't know if it was the shrooms or the weed. <laughs> Just don't do what I did the first time. Don't eat them on a full fucking stomach. I ate them on a full stomach. And I didn't, the first, I took two on last Saturday. I ate them on a full stomach and I didn't feel shit. You got to. You gotta be just kind of snack and then eat them. Don't eat them on a whole ass, on a on a big ass pizza the way I did. <laughs> you had a bad trip, yeah. I hear bad trips come when you kind of go into it with a bad mindset. <laughs> so yeah, I want to do that toad. I will do the toad. Yep, shrooms is like going through multiple euphoric waves of awareness and emotion. Yep, that's about exactly it. Man, we right here at two hours. My name is Dewan B. Remember this. There are no perfect messengers, only perfect messages for those who are willing to listen. Dr. King wasn't perfect, but neither are you and neither am I. The question is, did you get the message? 
And that's where all of it lies. Did you get the message? My name is Dewan B. We out.